so good, so good. It is good to be in beautiful Durban. I am coming all the way from the beautiful Cape Town city. The city everybody loves to hate, but everybody wants to live in. Ah, yeah. Including all the Durbanites because you don't have Table Mountain. But favor is just not fair. Can I get a witness, somebody? <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, bless the Lord. High five two or three people next to you. Tell them you're so fine, you're so fine, you'll blow my mind. Come on, high five the person behind you. Tell them, where have you been all my entire life? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. They, they bring me in to wake people up. Come on, somebody. So there is no chance that you are going to fall asleep, all right? Uh, I, want you to, I want you to repeat after me. Say, neighbor, if you don't know yet, I didn't come to worship you. <laughs> so your opinion of me does not matter right now. Why did it die down? No, 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 no. But here's the deal. Everything about what we are doing, I want to honor your, your pastors, Pastor George and his beautiful wife. You guys are amazing. Thank you for building a world-class church right here in Durban. South Africa needs this kind of church, a hungry church, a, a passionate church, a church on fire, a church that's not just kind of playing it safe, but a church that's pushing. And we believe in God that you're going to expand. The conference is going to get bigger and bigger as you touch the city and influence people's way of thinking, people's way of life, because South Africa needs it. And I want to honor my brother, uh, Pastor Eric Johnson, first time I met him. And uh, he's my brother from another mother. I already feel so connected to you. You know, you are the man. I'm going to get into the cave alongside you, and we're going to be in the cave together, and we're going to believe God to change the world together. Amen? How good is that? Come on, give them all a big round of applause. You know, I love, I love coming into the hustle. How many of you know that when the, when the believers come together, something should begin to shake in the room? When the believers come together, there should be a little bit of a something, something in the atmosphere. When we come together, it should not be church as usual. South Africa doesn't need church as usual. We need church at a whole nother level. We need church that is breaking through. We need church that is vibrant. We need church that is life-giving. We need church that is supernatural because we, we ain't nobody got time for all the politics. We want to get on with the job of building God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, come on, somebody. If you believe it, would you stand up? out of your seat and give God a shout of praise all over this building. I want you to praise him like you just don't care. I want you to make some noise from the back to the front, from the left to the right. I need you to get your praise on. You, you've had some food. You've had your downtime. You've had your sleep time. Now it's time to praise the Lord. I'm going to give you one more chance to lift up a shout of praise here at this conference today to lift up the name oh yeah that's what I'm talking about you may be seated you may be seated you're making me nervous making me seated you're making you may, may be seated you know here's the thing I, 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 I send you greetings from my beautiful family my, my lovely wife we've got a photo to show you because I'm a blessed man I'm blessed I've got four children hallelujah I'm a blessed man <laughs> Shucky ducky quack quack. I know what you're thinking. How does a guy like this get a beautiful girl like that? That's because love is blind. I believe it. Hallelujah. I said, Jesus, keep her blind until after the honeymoon. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, and that's my eldest son, David. He's on the sun, on the far, whatever you're, whatever. He's there. Uh, that's David. Then the other one is Judah. The little boy on my lap is Joseph. And that is my baby girl, Faith. If I have time, I might tell you this, the testimony of what God has done, uh, the miracle God has done for my baby girl, Faith, who drowned two years ago. But I, I, I'll, I'll see where God takes us. Turn with me in your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 20. And... Uh, and I was, I was listening to Pastor Eric's message, and I'm thinking, Jesus, please, why are you doing this to me? He's preaching my whole message, God. What are you doing? Help a brother out, Jesus. Help a brother out, man. Well, man, Lord, help me. Help me, Jesus, you know. You know, how many, how many of you know that God is in the business of, of, of bringing revelation to his church like never before? That he is wanting to change us from glory to glory. He doesn't want the church to be stagnant. I love the fact that, but that we've been encouraged that God 
God is not wanting the church to get stuck in one place. Listen, we can't talk. We can't reflect culture to culture. We've got to change the culture. We've got to bring a culture that is different. We've, in South Africa, we can't just talk about what is on TV. Because if you watch TV in South Africa, if you watch the news, man, you're going to go depressed. You know, if you, watch, if you listen to everything that's happening around us, if you come from Cape Town, now we even have the army there. I'm telling you, we are, we are gangster like that. We don't roll. We don't, we don't mess around, man. We've, we've, we, we don't, you guys still do like these metro cops. We do the army. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. We got the guys with the R4 rifle standing on. In, you know, but here's the thing. That's not God's measure for our cities. That's not, not, that's not God's measure for our nation. Our nation will not be racially divided anymore. I believe that with all of my heart. I don't care if you are pink, purple. I don't care if you are. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I, uh, Jesus never came for a white church. He never came for a black church. He came for the church. He wants to establish his church. Come on, if you believe it, high five two or three people. You see, we've got to become a church that is full of faith we've got to become a church that is full that is that is going against the grain we've got to be a church where we don't it does not it's not and i love what Kadia says it's not about my personality your personality has nothing to do with the worship of jesus christ you see it doesn't matter how old you are that's why he's a generational god he's the god of all the generations you see young people don't young people haven't even lived the past 15 years they still they're still dealing with pimples and so why do we leave why do we leave praise why do we leave passion after the young person when you in the room have lived through some things when you have seen God do some things in your life you ought to get more you ought to get more passionate for the praises of God like never before because when you needed somebody to come through in your life and nobody could do it but Jesus did it for you oh come on don't just look pretty this afternoon can you stand up on your feet and give God a praise in this place yeah yeah And, I, and the auntie say, Ooh. And I swart man in gebring. <laughs> swart gevaar in die kerk. <laughs> Pastor Eric, swart gevaar means swart gevaar. <laughs> it means black danger. <laughs> hey, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I tell you something. I've seen God do too many miracles in my life to doubt him. I've seen God do too many things to doubt him. I'm not going back. I'm not this excited because I'm young. No, I'm excited because when I needed my God to come through for me, he came through for me. I'm excited not because I'm because because the reality is everything of who I am today. I could not speak a word of English. My English was delicious. Delicious. I would think English, I would think Africans and try to speak English. And it was a mess. It was a mess. People didn't know what I was saying. I came from a rural town called Ulifanzuk. There were more sheep than there were people. If you blink at the wrong time, you miss the whole town altogether. And what I love about small towns is you all, all small towns in South Africa have two characteristics. You will never find a small town in South Africa without a pep store or a bottle store. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. There may not be a church, but there is a bottle store. Come on, somebody. Because everybody needs a cave to run to. <laughs> anyway, anybody needs that. And they go, and I come from a community where people are just drinking and drinking. And, and I didn't know my father. The first time I met my father was when I was 21 years old. The devil thought he would, he would destroy me. They say boys like me should end up in prison. But I defied what the enemy said because I believe in Jesus Christ. Because God plucked me. doesn't matter. I come from an impoverished background. We, 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 were, we were sharing one floodlight in our whole community. But I couldn't speak a word of English. But God said, watch me what I will do with you. I'll put you in places and before people that you could never have imagined. They said people in my family don't get married. But I said, my God is good. My God is big. I'm not going to come under what they say about my community. I'm going to break over that. And I want to let you know, I'm married 13 years and love is still strong. I've got four children. Four, no more. Praise God. No more. No more. Only four. Only four. Only four. Only four. I prophesy over Pastor Joel. I mean, I, only four for me. Only four. 
only four. But here's the thing. The reality is sometimes we just live with the labels. I'm black. I'm Indian. I'm colored. I'm white. Get out of the label. You are a child of God. Get out of the place of your crutch. There are no more crutches. We can't talk about, every time we talk about South Africa, we talk about ourselves in color. We're not in color. We are the, we are the rainbow nation of Jesus Christ. We are children. We are the children of the most high God. It's time now more than ever before that we ought to model it to our society in South Africa that we are a powerful church, that we are an unstoppable church, that we are a church of breakthrough, that we are a church of the supernatural, supernatural miracles. Uh, they, are, they are bound in our places because we are not going to create more division. We are going to create more belonging. It's going to be more of a sense of place where people can come from all backgrounds. I say to people in my church all the time, listen, if you don't want to sit next to somebody that is not of the same skin color as you, then you need to find yourself another church. Because this is the church of South Africa. We need a church that will confront the things in our society. South Africa needs the church to be more powerful than ever before. And I want to talk to you about this thought just very quickly. Then I'm going to get out of your face. I'm going to stop spitting in all over you. I love how Katia, you know, as she's preaching, I'm saying, God, please, can that anointing come on me? She's like just... Pastor Eric is just like. And I'm sitting there thinking, God, why am I preaching today? I'm going to sweat. I'm going to spit. It's not good for the camera, God. You look good on the camera. I can listen to you preach all the time, my brother. You look good. I can't watch me on camera, man. It's like just a whole nother level. The Bible says in 1 Kings 18, I'm going to talk to you about two altars quickly. Two altars. Two altars. So Ahab summoned 1 Kings 18 verse 20 to 46. I've entitled this message, Two Altars. So Ahab summoned all the Israelites and the prophets of Baal to meet at Mount Carmel. Elijah went up to the... To the to the people and said, how much longer will it take you to make up your mind? How much longer will it take you to make up your mind? I love what Pastor Eric did. He gave us a whole great background on the whole story. So I'm not going to endeavor to do that because I can't do it as eloquent and as good as he did it. And so, but what I'm going to uh, endeavor to do is to ask you some few questions this afternoon. How long will we waver between two opinions in this nation? How long will we, you and I decide when we're hot and then we're cold? How long will you decide? How long will you decide? Then you're going for God and then you stop going for God. How long will you waver? How long will you vacillate, be, get, getting caught between opinions? One day you love church, the next day you don't. One day you're sitting in the front row, the next day you're sitting at the back. Come on, can you just make up your mind already? If you love Jesus, if you're down with my Jesus, throw your hands in the air, say yeah. You know, so here, see, you, you just gotta, you just gotta make up your mind. You, you gotta make up your mind. You gotta make up your mind. Then you're hot, then you're cold. You're left and you're right. You're in and you're out. You're up and you're down. And we don't really know anything about you. Oh, anyway, anyway, anyway. Some of you don't even know that song. <laughs> you're like, is that a, is that a Jesus song? <laughs> that a Jesus song? <laughs> no, that's Tyler Perry. <laughs> anyway, 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 anyway. How long, how long are you going to waver? How long are you going to waver? Then today you love, tomorrow you hate. Some, sometimes we don't even know. Sometimes when you walk through that door, we don't know who we're getting because you walk through that door because you, you know yesterday you were happy, but today you might not be happy. We don't know who we're getting. How long are you going to waver? You were committed a few months ago, but now all of a sudden, Pastor, I don't know anymore. The Lord is speaking to me about another area, and and, and all of a sudden we have all this weirdness in church because everybody everybody just looks every time they come to every time. And I'm not saying this exclusively all the time. And I I believe that God speaks to us and God must speak to all of us. And but sometimes I'll come to recognize that one of the ways out of doing what God has called people to do is to say God said. 
God said, oh, so, you know, and the reality is, and we waver. And, and, and while we waver, our communities are wasted. While we waver, politics is taking over. While we waver, while we're going between opinions, while we're deciding, well, you know, some people are on their 16th church and they keep blaming the church, but they don't blame themselves. Sometimes you've got to go and look. You're going to have to have a checkup to find out what is going on with me. Maybe, and, and we, as we've heard such great messages, maybe in the area of our emotions, we need to stop declaring and declaring and start dealing with some issues in our lives. So that we can't waver because as long as you waver, you're unreliable. As long as you're in and out, we don't know what to do. We can't build. Imagine having a construction company coming to build your new house and they are vacillating between opinions. Do we build today? Yesterday we build. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like in South Africa, we are Toy Toy Central. We are the capital of Toy Toy. We had, we had, we had 13 communities shut down in Cape Town. Because it, uh, this is the party's name. I'm not using. Uh, this is what they call the party. Because I'm from. This is what they call the party. No, you guys are church people. I'm not going to say this. I'm too. I'm too holy for this kind of stuff. Can't let it come out of my mouth. This stuff. There's <laughs> a group called Hot Four Capetonians. And they shut the whole city down. And I understand, and I understand, and I understand. But at what point are we going to start to go, come on, we've got we've to move forward here. You know, burning down things is not going to help us move forward. And sometimes, you know, I, I, I married a, as you don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm all chocolate. And uh, I married a vanilla, as you saw there. She's from the free state. Say company free start up. Her parents, her parents didn't believe they were racist. They never, they never believed they were racist. They did not believe they were racist until I, until I asked for her hand in marriage. I was like, they were having me over as the youth pastor. I was eating food, they were giving me chicken, they were giving me, I mean, I, and by the way, if chicken cannot be salad, that's my staple diet, brother. Inside Africa, at the end of the month, KFC makes their most money, because that's when all us black people go and buy KFC. Come on, somebody, can I get a black, all the black people in the house, can I get an amen? I am not going to heaven if there's not a KFC in heaven, anyway. You might have to examine my theology. <laughs> anyway. And so anyway, so they would, they would wine and dine me. The youth pastor, you're a man of God. Come on in. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, wow, these people are so awesome. Maybe I should just ask their daughter out. <laughs> Biggest mistake of my life. World War 66 broke out. Because we're still wavering. We're wavering. We're wavering. Then we're here, and then we're not there. You know, Pastor could put, Pastor could put hope in you, and he could put, he could rely on you. But then something happens. You see, when we live from the place of our condition, one of the things we have to address in our nation is our condition. Our condition makes us flaky. Because we have entire communities who will give their lives to Jesus 10 times to change their condition, but not surrender to Jesus. And the condition, but we don't, we don't function from our condition. We function from the place of our position in Christ. Who are we in God? We are sons and daughters. My identity, you see, even though I never knew my dad, one thing I did know, I knew my heavenly father. My heavenly father encountered me, and he filled the void in my life. When I saw my dad for the first time, I say to people, you know, they say, how was it? I was like, listen, it was, it was like if you've never had chocolate, and you have it for the first time, it's like, oh, that, is that chocolate? That's chocolate. When I saw my dad for the first time, it was the same. I was like, oh, this is my dad. 
My friend was with me. I was like, hey, dude, this is my dad. He's like, is that your dad? I'm like, yeah, that's my dad. My dad, after 21 years, he says to me, he doesn't say to me, I miss you. I'm so sorry. I'm going to buy you a Ferrari. I saved up all these 21 years for you. I'm going to buy you a new house. After 21 years, you know what my dad says to me? He says, hey, dude, do you have taxi fare for me? 21 years. I could allow that con the condition of growing up without my dad to ruin me. But I decided, no, man, I have some taxi fare. <laughs> my dad went home with money I gave him after 21 years of not saying sorry. Fast forward to 2011, I go and plant Planet Shakers Church. I get there in February, I get a phone call saying, hey, your dad wants to talk to you. Didn't know he was lying on his deathbed. I walked into the room, the whole family is apprehensive. Because I decided I'm not going to live conditional. I'm not going to waver. Go between things. I'm going to stay in the place of my, my position. I'm going to be a son. Called my mom. I said, like, I know you've got some issues, but they're calling me. I don't have issues. She's like, you can go. I'm like, thank you. Get to the house. Everybody's nervous. I walk through. I, I meet a family that I've never seen before. Four children. My dad's children. His wife. I walk through the door, they say, hey, your dad is in the bedroom. I go to the bedroom, I'm sitting there, and he's there, he can't look me in the eye. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, hey, I want you to tell your dad you've got nothing against him. I hold his hand, I look him in the eye, I say, dad, I want you to know I don't have anything against you. I love you. I said to him, I've never had any ounce of bitterness towards you. Not once. And I said to him, by the way, do you know Jesus? He says to me, no, I don't know Jesus. I said to him, the reason why I have no hatred towards you and I never had was because he took care of me. And I said to him, right now, I want to lead you to my daddy. I'm going to lead my daddy to my daddy. And I prayed for him to receive Christ that moment. Two weeks later, he passes away. The family calls me. They say, can you do his funeral? I said, of course. I'll do his funeral. I preached the best sermon I could on my dad's funeral who never took ownership, never paid a cent for me. I preached my best sermon. I don't think I've ever preached a sermon like that before. I stood up on that stage. I would not go on until somebody gave their life. I even, I even threatened them. I said, you don't leave here. You give your life to Jesus. <laughs> it's a powerful thing when you don't waver. You know, sometimes things don't happen the way you want them, but don't waver. Stay in the place of prayer. Stay in the place of faith. Stay in the place of breakthrough. Stay in the place of the next level. How much time do I have? Just a few minutes. Just a few minutes. Jesus, help us. Don't waver. Don't waver. How long will you waver? How long will you stay in the place of indecision? Our nation can look so much better. If we just made up our mind. If we just decided we've had enough of our communities looking the way they did. If we decided this is it. See, I, I believe God has called me. God told me at the age of 15, He said, I'm, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you as a spokesman in the nation. You're going to bring, He said, uh, I'm going to use you for nation building and the restoration of broken legacies. All the legacies that were broken where trust was broken. So I'm the black child you never had. <laughs> and I'm not a world vision child, by the way. I am. <laughs> so you. <laughs> I'm committed to bring people together in this nation. We've got to stop wavering. The Bible says this, I've got to rush. If the Lord is God, worship Him. We've got some influential people in our church. And I was sitting with them the other day and they were saying to me, hey, we are convinced that the only hope of this nation is the church. I looked at him and I said, what do you mean? He said, Fabian, to be honest, Government 
politicians don't have a clue. Everybody is fighting, but they don't know what they're fighting for. He said, this, and I love that message, our future is so bright because this becomes a perfect, perfect opportunity for the church to arrive. This becomes the opportunity. If God is God, if he is Jehovah, if he is God overall, if he is the CEO of the universe, if he is the one who weighs out the oceans in the palm of his hands, if he is the one who made the giraffe, I mean, who makes a giraffe? You <laughs> like, like we just think about it. You know, like, really? If, if he is God, then surely, surely you and I are able. To see a nation turn. Surely, if he is God, violence must break. Surely, if he is God, inequality, poverty in this nation must break. Surely, if he is God, if he is God, come on, church. We can't play church no more. We can't just come on church and do the, the Christian two-step one. <laughs> and then, and then, I, when I when I came <laughs> anyway. <laughs> now I said to I said to the, I said to my church, I said, hey, doesn't matter. Just pretend like you can dance. Doesn't matter. Just pretend. But we can't afford to play church. We can't afford to go home and sit around the dinner table and go, how was church? Oh, nice. Nice. You know, pastor, wow, today pastor prayed a nice sermon. Just a nice sermon. I got goosebumps. I felt so great. You know, the worship team was a little bit off. <laughs> but it was a nice sermon. And guess what? We've gotten so complacent with nice church. Where's my seat? You don't have a seat. You don't have a seat. The, if you still have a seat in the city, it means we're not reaching the lost. If you can come every Sunday and you still can find your seat and fight about it, it means we're not reaching the lost. We had DNA on Tuesday night and I got so indignant. I got filled with rage. Because when I got to my reserved seat, there was three new people sitting on my reserve seat. Man of God. Don't they know I'm a man of God? Don't they know who's the pastor of this church? How dare they sit on my chair? And the Holy Spirit said to me, oh yeah? Aren't you the one that says, if you still have a seat in the church? See, because new people don't know about reserve seats. They just be rolling up there, be like, I'm in church. And and the thing is, and and the, and the thing is, the thing is, church gets, we can control it now, isn't it? We control it. It's so nice. It appeals to our niceties. It appeals to, it, it appeals to, it's just beautiful, it's beautiful, it's cute and cuddly. Church. It's just so nice. Nice. No, we have nice worship. Nobody gets offended in church because it's nice. No wonder our communities look the way they look because we have settled for nice church. No wonder the devil is running around in our, in our nation because we have settled for nice church. Listen, I want to agitate you. Don't be angry with me. I'm just trying to encourage you. And I'm not trying to be judgmental in any way because I live at the same street, the same number, the same home. I'm speaking to you as much as I'm speaking to me. And ultimately, we've got to come together and stop being the nice church. But we've got to be a church that is moving forward. We've got to be a church that is pushing. We've got to be a church that's pioneering. We've got to be a church that's no longer vacillating. Oh, come on, if you believe that, would you stand? up on your feet and give God one shout of praise 
all over this building we have to be a church full of faith we have to be a church full of fun we have to be a church full of fire we have to be a church of revival we have to be a church of creativity we have to be a church that would see the sick healed and the lost saved we have to be a church that knows how to dance before the Lord with all our might we have to be a church of belonging we have to be a church of accepting we have to be the church of Jesus Christ no more boring base church no more boring church I've got 60 year olds in my church I've got 80 year olds in my church and they love me as their pastor because they say pastor you make us feel young I'm like come on somebody they are out in a praise pit because they've decided they are not going to let the young people lead them in praise they are going to lead the young people in praise because they want to build a church that is an inclusive church listen I've got listen to this one lady one lady she came she drives about 30 minutes to church she is 74 years old she, she, she struggles with all the lights and if you've ever been to anything Planet Checkers, uh, I mean it's like disco. <laughs> you may be seated, you're making me nervous. Uh, she, she, she comes in, she comes in the first time, she says I struggle a little bit with the lights, but I love the presence. She says I love the presence. She comes the second time. She goes into the parents' room and she just wants to be in the presence. Then she decided she's going to pray to the Lord so that she no longer have problems with the light so that she can stand in that place. And guess what? I, I walk into the church the other day and guess where she is? She's there. She's there in the auditorium when the praise is going crazy, when there's people jumping up, giving everything they've got to God. And there she is with her hands lifted up. There she is dancing. There she is celebrating because it's not about a style. It's about what's in your heart. It's not about, it's not about the young people are more passionate and the older people are are less passionate no the older people are even more passionate than the younger people because they are setting a standard for us to take the church to the next level because if we are to build a church and leave a generational legacy for the church we have to be all inclusive everybody has a role everybody nobody gets redundant in the house of God there is no generation that they will they will retire every generation gets refired and refueled to bring revival in our lifetime we want to see God do things we've never seen before if you believe that high five two or three people tell them now is the time we gotta believe God anyway watch this watch this good very quickly I'm about to end this I'm about to end this <laughs> you guys are just too good you like just making me go off here then Elijah said I'm the only prophet left and you guys all know so left but there's 400 prophets I'll bring then he said bring two bulls bring two bulls two bulls let the prophets of Baal take one, kill it, cut it in pieces and put it on the wood. But don't light the fire. Don't light the fire. Don't light the fire. Because I want you, he says what this contest is about, is about, is about fire that no physical hand can make. Oh, we need a fire that doesn't come from hand, from the hand of man. We need a fire that is not manufactured. We need a fire that has got no human touch to it. You see the anointing. We need the anointing. We need the anointing that makes room for us. We need the anointing that breaks the yoke. We need the anointing of God that will take us into places. You see, the reason why we need to go into the Mannenbergs is not because we need to go in because we carry the anointing. We carry the fire. It should never be that the, that the gangsters have more power than the, than the church of Christ. That's why we salute you. Salute you for going in because, hey, it's nice to have faith when you're sitting behind your electric fence. Electric fence, you've got your dog out there, you've got 24-hour response. Come on, I'm just telling it, you, you know what I mean? We all live there. And if you take it another step further, you've built a trench and you've got an alligator in there. Always good, you have faith. Oh, sitting comfortably. Wonderful, your electric blanket during winter. I've got faith. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's people sitting out in the streets. And we tell them, just get over yourself. Get a job. The problem of unemployment in our country is a time bomb. 30% unemployment. 
We need Jesus. We need Jesus. Because by the way, government doesn't have jobs. <laughs> Looking, your future is bright. I'm telling you, I love that message. Our future is bright. Despite what Goliath is shouting at us, this is the time for the church to arise. We're going to create more jobs than we've ever created in our churches. We are going to see more of this. That's why in my church, I've now gone, I've said, I'm every businessman, you need to start an employment initiative for young people. We've got to be part of the solution in our society. We can't just go and deliver food no more. There's a time for relief, but there's a time where we've got to say, come on. We've got to take you a step further because those young people, guess what? If they, if they keep standing at the robots, somebody's going to pull up with a nice shiny car and say, do you want to have this, bro? And he's like, oh, yeah, I've been standing here for three years, no job, and I have a degree. He says, hop in. You can drive this. You can drive this. What do you mean you can drive this? He says, come with me. If you drop off this package, you can drive this. If you take this and you take that out, you can drive this. And the devil is luring a generation. And we want to have nice church. So Sunday is to get a download from heaven. So on Monday, we can get busy. Businessmen in this room, I'm, 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 I'm encouraging you to become a part of the solution. Trust God that you will make so much disgusting amounts of money so that you can employ young people. Pull them by the hundreds off the streets so they can do and make a difference. The Bible says they had two altars. They prepared the bull on the one altar and Elijah gave them their time. He said, you, you do everything but don't set light to it. And I'll do the same and I won't set light. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Bible says as you read the scripture they chanted and they danced and they started cutting themselves I don't know if they did the <laughs> I've never been to a white party where we didn't do the line dance eh? <laughs> I don't know what they were doing around this altar but they were going on and the Bible says nothing happened interesting thing about this first altar is that that first altar they could just prepare the offering and place it on the altar the second altar the Bible said Elijah had to repair the altar that meant the altar of the Lord had been broken down meanwhile the, the altar of idol worship had been frequented have been used. If we're not careful, we will allow for, for many opinions to float into the life of the church that we are putting up with things that's not even biblical anymore. If we're not careful, politics will start to run the church. And here they, but nothing is happening. And here, Elijah says, okay, cool. Now it's my time. Come here. Let me show you what real church looks like. Because church is not mug and bean. We may have a cafe, but we're not mug and bean. Don't mistake us with mug and bean. We might have the best coffee in church, but we are not mug and bean. We might have the best lights, but we are not a disco. There is something that the church has that no, you can't find anywhere else. We have the presence, we have the power, and we have the person of the Holy Spirit right in the church to bring about transformation and change. And so, and so as we prepare this altar, he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make it a little bit hard. Because in church, we're not, we're not, we're not here to, to help God be, be famous. He can help himself. We're not here to create, make it so easy for God so that God can just, no, no, God doesn't need your help. He is God all by himself. The, the thing that you're struggling with, the thing that you can't seem to get over, my daughter falls in a pool. She drowns and she is unresponsive from quarter past five until five to six. No response, no pulse, blue in the face, foaming out at the mouth at the age of two years old, 20 
2017, the 13th of, of June, I will never forget it. We pull her out of the swimming pool. And we take this little girl, this lifeless body. My wife and I are frantic. We don't know what to do. My next door neighbor comes running. He tries to do CPR on her. She's unresponsive. He turns to me and says, sorry, Fabian, she's gone. I say to him, she will live and she will not die. There's a place where no man can go when only God can take you. There's a fire that only God can burn deep in your soul. And if we can move away from the complacency of society and come into the place of encounter and revelation in the presence of God, and that moment there was no Christian cliche that could help me. There was no Christian nicety that could help me. I had to stand before the presence of God and on my stoop like a madman shout at God and say, God, you gave her to me and I refuse to give her up now. She will not die, but she will live. I said, God, I refuse death over her body devil you can take your hands off of her and I would go back to the guy I said you continue and I took her head I said faith you will live and not die I needed a fire that could only come from heaven to break, bring breakthrough over that situation there was, there was nothing anybody could do for me in that moment other than God and I had to rely on him and in that moment I took her and I put him back in his arms I said you keep going I don't know if he wanted to do it anymore but he was scared because he looked at the eyes he looked at my eyes and thought if I don't do it, he's going to beat me up. So I'm just going to keep going. And so he kept going until 5 to 6, the ambulance arrived. She's still unresponsive and she is just lying there. Long story short, God does a miracle. God does a miracle. God does a miracle. Three days later, she opens up her eyes. No brain damage, no lung damage, no, no, no damage in us. Oh, come on, somebody, would you stand up on your feet and give God a praise all over this place? Would you praise Him because He is a miracle working God? He's the God who is able. He is not a God that He should lie, but everything that He says will come to pass. Come on, you can praise Him better than that. You can give Him a breakthrough praise. Let, if the, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Shout with a voice of triumph because he is worthy of all our praises. He's a God who is worthy. He is worthy to be praised. There is no situation today that he cannot bring breakthrough in. There is no community today I believe that God cannot bring breakthrough in. I believe I've lived this my life, my whole life and I've seen God come through for me time and time again. And so the fire of God falls on the altar. Immediately the Bible says it falls on the altar. Immediately. There's a fire that's coming. Because there's a generation of men and women who said we don't want to play church no more. There's a generation that says God, we're not going to spend our time around an idol, around an altar that has no effect and has no power. We're no longer going to spend our time doing the mindless rituals over and over and over again and going nowhere. But we're going to move over to this side and we're going to restore worship again. Whoever's doing this beautiful thing here, can somebody play Lionel Richie? <laughs> Is there anybody that can do a pad for me? Just a, a key thing, somebody thing. Ah, awesome. That guy's just like me. He's got a, he's got a bald head, like, just like me. Me and him are brothers. He's going to help me out. So cool. You're going to feel the anointing now. Watch. Watch. Just watch, watch. 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 Watch this. Watch. 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 Hey. Watch, watch, watch. Oh. Ah. Hallelujah. 
Bible says he took 12 stones. 12. Why 12? Because each of those stones represented the 12 tribes of Israel. At this stage, the nation of Israel had split into two kingdoms, northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And Ahab, as we know, and Jezebel had been um, the duo of mass destruction over, in, over the northern king, kingdom. And here Elijah takes 12 stones and he begins to repair the altar. Speaks of covenant. He goes back to the place of covenant and he says, I'm going to repair. You see, because he's a covenant God. He doesn't change. What are the promises that he has spoken to you? He says, I go back to the promise of God over my life, not to the problem as we've heard already. And I go back to that promise that this nation will rise again. I go back to that promise that this nation will see the power of God in this nation again. That from the north to the west to the east to the south, it does not matter that God will do such an incredible work. I go back to the place of covenant that God says, my word shall remain standing forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but this word shall not fall. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And when I see you, Jesus, when I behold your glory and your beauty, I know that God you will never leave me nor will you forsake me I do believe God that is you before me who can be against me I will stand though yeah, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I, I will fear no evil because you are with me you see you have got to go back to the place of covenant as we repair the altars as we stand over an altar that's been broken down as people are trying to attack the church and they're trying to attack what God is doing in our churches we've got to, we've got to repair the worship we don't have to give people license to talk bad about the church but we also have to be good examples of what God is doing. We've, they've got to see reconciliation modeled in the church. They've got to see love modeled in the church. They've got to see forgiveness modeled in the church because we are, this, we are determined to repair the ruins. We are determined to repair an altar that will bring glory to our Heavenly Father. We are prepared to walk a long distance to see people who maybe just maybe have walked away from the truth of God's word but we embrace them and say come there is still hope for you. There is still a place that you belong. You see, we've got to get back to the place of covenant. We've got to get back to the place of who He is. Our God is a good God. Our God is a great God. Our God is the one who is able to turn every situation around. He takes the 12 stones and He begins to repair the altar. And the Bible says He begins to and, and then after He's taken the 12 stones He digs a trench and and he digs a trench and then he takes, he takes, oh, he takes water, the most, the, most, the most precious commodity in a time of, the, of, of drought. And he takes the very thing that everybody needs at that moment. Sometimes you've got to get to the end of yourself. Now some scholars, some scholars say, where did the water come from? The Mediterranean was a bit of a distance and this was at the time of the evening sacrifice. So it was already late in the night. People had been there all day. So they, they, some scholars seem to think that there was no way they could have gone down and gotten water and come back up. So where did the water come from? And maybe, just maybe, I'm just thinking maybe there were some people who knew that the place where, where Karma was, it was a long way away from, from where they were. So they took some water, like the boy who had five loaves and two fish perhaps, and they had their water. And now all of a sudden Elijah says, listen, if you are to see the rain of heaven come, you're going to have to give what really, what really matters to you the most. Sometimes in church it's not about how you feel. It's about bringing a sacrifice of praise before God. Sometimes it's not about how good you are. It's about God saying God here I am have all of me you can consume all of who I am and when you feel you are at the end of your road this is perfect territory for miracles when you feel you can know you can no longer go beyond where you are right now God I don't know how I'm gonna make it God says good shot you can step out of the way so I can step into the way have you come to the end of yourself and they came Imagine all those people giving their little bits of water to Elijah. And then he takes the buckets, the barrel, and he pours it on. He lavishes. He's extravagant as he pours out the water. 
And then you, you, you can imagine the people sitting there going, we haven't had water. That's my last bit of water. What happens if, if, we, if nothing happens? And they pour this water on the sacrifice and it just runs. Why does he throw water on the sacrifice? Why not be like any other altar where there's no trench and there's no water on it? Because church, I've come to, uh, I don't know this and this is not in the Bible anywhere, but I believe this becomes a picture of sometimes when things are so difficult, when it seems like this goes against everything you can ever imagine. There was no ways. When I spoke to the doctor and he looked me in the eye, he said to me, Fabian, we cannot tell you what's going to happen with your daughter. Not knowing that before that, there had not been one child who had come to that ICU ward and survived the drowning. Not one. And God says, though it looked so bad, I'm about to open up the windows of heaven and I'm going to pour down a fire that will consume the altar. Father, in the name of Jesus, We ask for the fire of heaven. Coming all over this place. You say, God, I'm, I'm, I, I, I want what I haven't had before. I didn't come to conference to just listen to a black man spit and shout. I came because I want something from heaven. If that's you, I want you to stand at your feet. I want your fire, God. I want your fire, God. I want your fire, God. Set a fire down in my soul, God, that I just can't contain. I want more and more of you, God. God, this nation, come on, if you know how to pray, if you've got a prayer language, I want you to cry out on behalf of this beautiful nation. I want you to say, God, God, not on our watch, God. Oh, we know the news report, but set a fire in my soul. Put something in my spirit today, God, that would, that would be relentless. Put something in my spirit today that will, that, will, that will be passionate. Oh God, we want a prayer revival to break out. God, we want, we want a revival of the supernatural to break out. We want our streets again to be safe. God, we want, we want, we want for such a move of your spirit. Come on, begin to press in just for a few moments. Nobody's going to lay hands on you. you. You've got it. You've got it in you. Some of you are called to some of you are called to, to pray and you, you carry a gift on your life. You, some of you can prophesy, but stir up those gifts right now. We pray that the Holy Spirit will begin to stir in us a fire, an anointing to see breakthrough. We want some solutions, God. We want to be able to be the answer to some of the problems that we see every day. We want to see it from Manenburg to Durban, from Durban to Johannesburg, from Johannesburg. We want to see it in the free state from the free state we want to see it all the way to the northwest province but we want the fire of the holy spirit we want the fire